up, what's up? Uh, Champagne Sharks, it's T. Straight to business. Go to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. Give us $5 a month. You get double the episodes, 80 back episodes, access to a Discord. And now we have a newsletter that goes to $5 a month subscribers. We just love a bunch of links and shit that we find interesting or things that kind of supplement your listening experience. It's uh, it took me forever to figure out how to do, but someone from Patreon finally walked me through it. So I'm glad. And we have with us Kenny. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Kenny. Find me on Twitter at BlackSportsNW. And I uh, hope you guys are having a good night. Yeah, and our guest is... I'll let you introduce yourself. Uh, peace. My name is M2 Gant out here in New York City. Yeah, I'm, you can find me on Twitter also at SirCoreGant. Uh, that's at S-I-R-C-O-R-E Gant. I was listening and someone just sent me the most ridiculous flop by James Harden. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so fucking bad. I, I, oh, I, I, I can't. I can't believe this thing. I know this is not good radio to, you know, talk about something that's visual, but he like waited like a couple of seconds after the person passed by, then he grabbed his neck. It looks like a ghost just yoked him up. Like like <laughs> Lord. That's like, what's so I, bad about his tra- about his his uh his fake outs because like they're so yeah. after the fact. It's like you see him think about it, then he does it. Yes. Yeah, it's really bad. I mean, it's almost like he's not even like he's trolling. Like like I can't even believe he He literally is. You just said it. You named it. He's trolling. Yeah. He's really trolling the way he plays basketball. He's trolling, you know, but hey, you know, this is what the league wants. Yeah, it's, it's very I, I remember the really bad ones, the really bad ones back in the day. It was like a handful. I remember like Ron Harper was one of like uh, yeah. uh, Ron Harper used to be one of those ones. He would really do it. But, but now by today's standards, that's just normal. Oh, that's tame. Like, that's normal. Well, it's weird yeah. because, like, you know, when, when, when Vladi Divac was doing it, you know, it was clearly an annoyance. But now you're oh, almost man. celebrated for doing that type of stuff. It's weird how things like degrade over time. Like back in the day, <laughs> yeah. that was like you, you was kind of you were kind of weak for doing stuff like that. Now it's like, called, oh, we used to call him crafty. Floppy Divac. That was his name. Floppy Divac. <laughs> Floppy Divac. And now people just laugh it off. Like, you know, like, like yeah. even if you even if you don't get away with it, like people want to like shame you for it. It'll just be like, you know, oh, people shrug their shoulders like, hey, I, I had to try yeah. oh cra- crafty uh, veteran move that's what they'll yes, say crafty, exactly. ve- crafty yeah, veteran yeah. move like what hold on i sent i sent the link in the room just just uh give it a quick click like i gotta see before gotta we get see started this. i just have to get this off my chest it's gonna weigh on me this terrible flop <laughs> oh my god are you serious yo see what <laughs> what's up with come on Pete. what he's, he's acting like he got an alien in his neck you know what I'm saying? Yo. It was like it was like alien, like like the, like the face huggers on his face or some or on his neck. Oh <laughs> yo, my yo, god! Yo, I I have the premise for that clip, right? Remember the movie back in the days, uh, uh, Angels in the Outfield? Yeah. Yes. They, they can they can have spirits on the court, and right. this team this team has a six man on the on the court, and the six man is a ghost, and he's just yoking up he's yoking up people. Angels on the hardwood. Angels yeah, on the hardwood. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> choking people. That. It's the angel of Dennis Rodman just choking people and clotheslining. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man, that's ridiculous. I can't, I gotta look at that again. Hold on, that's ridiculous. I can't believe I just seen that. Dude, that was a straight up Jesse Smollett, man. He, he just basically <laughs> just just made up. He just faked an attack on that one. That was what in the Jesse. That was a Jesse. Yeah, the Jesse. What in yeah, the yeah. Look at some con that the Jesse man, like like yeah. back in the days you had the fade away, the sky hook. Now people are gonna be pulling pull the Jesse. That that was well, terrible. Yeah. Oh my god! Unbelievable. Gosh. 
Oh, that's unbelievable. He should yeah, be ashamed. Yeah, you, know what? You, you know what? I'm putting that in the show notes so people listening can can view that. It has nothing to do with the subject of today's nope. podcast, but it's worth just you know putting it out there. Now, anyway, tell us what you do, Matumi. Tell us what your deal is. Um, ah, well, as of right now, me, uh, I'm a filmmaker. I was born and raised here in New York. Um, I have a long, no history in the theatrical arts and dramatic and cinematic arts. I was, uh, an actor. I came up out of here in New York, did a lot of acting. I kind of came up as, as a young actor in entertainment, TV, film, stuff like that. And, um, did a lot of stuff with that until like my twenties and I kind of got out of it and then, uh, did some other stuff, but I stayed within the arts doing a lot of playwriting and working in theater. And now I'm a filmmaker. Uh, I'd make films independently. Um, but I'm also a professor, uh, a professor at Purchase, Purchase College in cinema and film. And I do a lot of stuff on practically how to make films, but also kind of cinema history, current analysis of films and kind of take like a radical left kind of way looking at cinema and, you know, whether cinema with black folks or whatever, you know, that's kind of the, the, the short version of, of myself. Now, somebody asked me this once and I started thinking about it and I just had too many things to think of. And I always wanted to do an episode on it. And I still didn't really do the legwork beforehand and narrow it down. But I thought it might be a good thing to just throw out there to you guys in general. Somebody asked me once back when we had a curious cat, can you give us a good list of like films you would recommend for somebody who wanted to develop some good racial politics? And I'm like, damn, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Because first, this is my challenge. First, it has to be something that is um, has something that I think is teachable, but also is it teachable in the way that people will get it or will people take away the wrong thing? Because some things, some things are good for the wrong reason. Like like you watch it and you're like, wow, this is good because it exhibits something, whether it's trying to teach about it or not. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then there's things where I think, like Spook Who Sat By The Door is one that I think oh, is good. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. Love it. But it's good for all the deliberate reasons like you know it's uh trying to teach something you know and totally it's very self-aware and then some things where i'm like man this is i have no idea what they intended or not but this is interesting to watch because it teaches you a lot about how shit happens like like for example there's one called the landlord uh you ever see that one yeah 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 hell ashby mm-hmm. yeah i'm still not sure 100 percent how i feel about that but i think it's worth watching because i think it speaks to a lot of uncomfortable truths i'm not sure if that's prescriptive or descriptive of what's going on there but you know a brother wrote that though and he, he's a brother who's pretty radical a, a brother named bill gunn wrote that he wrote the landlord oh bill gunn wrote that okay he wrote the landlord yeah um yeah the landlord it's fine i saw that a couple of years ago and and i be I, I've wait, always, wait wait I've, wait ganja ganja and has bill gunn Yep, Ganja and Hespil Gun. Yep, he wrote wow. the landlord. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny. I I have been trying to find literature on how Bill Gunn and Ashby wrote um worked on that flick, but I haven't been able to really find any concrete stuff. Um, no, but I know that Ashby was pretty left in his in you know in himself, so I could see him and Bill Gunn kind of getting along. Yeah, um, Ganja, Ganja and Hess is another good one, but one that I'm not sure if a lot of people would get a lot of stuff out of it because that one's no. kind of challenging. Yeah, yeah, Ganja and Hess is one of those is, is is really an art house movie. Like you, you, yeah, you you, you have to be willing to kind of step into that kind of art house liking of movies to kind of get into it. No matter what, who you are, black, white, whatever, you know, you just kind of be mm. like, oh, ready for that type of stuff. Um, but the landlord, well, yeah, the, the landlord is an interesting one. I, 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 I def. 
it's an interesting history and i've been trying to find literature on it but it's it's not it's not easy to come by um what about you guys if you had to recommend like i mean i would always kind of step into like i mean there's a it's interesting you say this because i feel like a lot of the movies that have really good racial politics are like movies that don't get promoted mm, that's um, true. out there like like something like we, we talked about this to you like uh chameleon street which i think like, yeah chameleon street is a good one i think i think if it's a film that shows like the kind of the politics of like black thinking when it comes to race and class mm-hmm. and, and, and and mobility and the complications around it i feel like chameleon street you know you know Anybody I've ever turned on to Chameleon Street has always been like, yo, wow, yo, that movie is real. I remember um, I got a, uh, me and a homegirl of mine got a, got a group of people to watch it one day in a little small theater. We got about 40 people. We just had a DVD of it. We brought people up in there and we had like, you know, hours long discussion to talk about it. And and just that guy's voice. That guy has a fucking great yeah. voice. Wendell, like, Wendell, Wendell's was... deep. Yeah, yeah. What, what, was, the, what was the Does movie you just to... told me? The movie you told me about, T, I watched it. Uh, I had already seen it, but I watched it again. Um, the brother that played Elijah Muhammad in Malcolm X. Oh, Dutchman. The Dutchman. Oh, I still haven't seen that one. Oh, yeah, you got to check that out. You yeah, got to check that out. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Dutchman is good. I mean, and that, that that was a seminal play here in New York in the 60s by Amiri Baraka. So many people don't even know that film existed. It's been on YouTube all this time. Yeah, it's, it's hard to find. I, I know about the play and I know how seminal it's supposed to be and I still didn't know about I still didn't know about the movie until you told me yeah many people don't know that it know know that it exists and I, I constantly tell people it's on YouTube and they go what people who know about the play they don't even know that a movie was ever even made and I go yeah with Al Freeman Jr. and they're like what really get out of here and I'm like yeah it's on YouTube and then they watch it and they go damn yeah that movie right. is really good man and that, that movie it reminds me of like the um it reminds me of a lot of different flicks but it has a you know a get out feel to it and it's only in that and it's only an hour too. That's what's great. Yeah, yeah it's only it's, it's a, only an it's hour, and it watch. takes place on a train the entire time. Yeah, you know, it's just yeah. really it, it's. And I, I, when I watched it, I had seen it before um, when I was in college and undergrad. Uh, this guy, Dr. Daryl Milner, he built the uh, Black Studies program here in Port at Portland State, and he showed the film. And um, this is 2012, I think it was. I saw it. I didn't really. I got it, but I didn't get it. And he was. This was in this movie. This film uh, was a part of a black film class, so he would show a lot of black exploitation films. You know, Cotton Comes to Harlem and things like that. And then he put that film in. I watched that. And then as time went on, I started seeing things happening in society and understanding racial politics a little bit more, especially when it pertains to interracial dating and things like that. I was like, you know what? Everybody needs to see this this film. Yeah, I mean, I'm when I was uh, I, I was when I was in theater school. I got I got my uh, my degree in acting. I, I purchased where I also teach now. And Dutchman was one of the plays that we had to read in school because Dutchman was considered for a long time to be like one of the top three best one act plays ever written. There was mm-hmm. like a time, you know, I think with that generation of like people who were t- learned acting in the 60s and the 70s who were now te- then teaching. I, w- I went to school in the 90s to the early 2000s. So okay. they were still holding on to Dutchman as like this seminal piece. I feel like now it's kind of lost its steam. Like no one really cares about it. All the stuff yeah. has come out. All those teachers who were teaching that are, are gone. So why do you think that is? What do you think went wrong that it's not getting passed on to another generation? 
I think, well, I think the politics that are within Dutchman, you know, the whole thing of him with a white woman, the black guy with a white woman, I think was something that was willing to be used as an archetype to explore racial politics. I yeah. don't think people are really into that anymore. I think with all the way identity centering has changed, especially in places like academia and in theater, mm -hmm. I just mm -hmm. think they feel like it's passe. And also, I think Baraka also, like when he, after the 9-11 stuff, when he said, you know, his stuff about you know oh yeah that's true right. stuff he he, he kind of lost a kind of popularity amongst uh the white left mm -hmm. he wasn't really willing to be a mascot in a certain no. right uh, right uh, no. uh, didn't didn't it make him the poet laureate of like new jersey and he just was sort of whining out even more he yeah, was he started and, whining and he out kept, even more he kept doing stuff and then that 9-11 thing was like the last straw when he did that 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 poem about the planes but it was, yeah. which is so weird because i was like man baraka has said wilder shit in the 60s man. yeah <laughs> like wilder like it's but i feel new. like there was a weird amnesty that happened in the 60s like it's amazing yeah this was amazing to me was when you look at like people like the Weatherman did and like certain Panthers. Like this is what I always wonder: Why are some Panthers like still in jail to this day or just getting out? And then some of the most wildest ones who got into like shootouts with cops have academic positions. Like this is like, this totally weird, yeah, yeah weird thing that happened where there was and, and Weatherman like, like you know some of these Weathermen who were like straight up like you know uh, terrorists. To a certain degree, have academic jobs. I forget yeah, what that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, weather, I yeah. went to a panel with, with Bernadine Dorn from the weather when from the weathermen like a couple of years ago, and like she's cushy up in an academic position, like just hanging out. Yeah, so I feel like there's a certain amount of um, leeway you could get. Like people just think, oh, it was the '60s, you know, where yeah. if you still keep doing it, like I'm sure if they said anything even halfway as crazy now, or did anything half as crazy now as back then, it would carry like way more repercussions it's like a weird i think there's i think there's a lot of them that made concessions and that yeah, helped them in too. the long that's run real. and Bernie then some of them didn't yeah I'm angela yeah. davis yeah i mean, I mean she bernadine, made concessions yeah, yeah bernadine dorn i remember kind of i mean she she all but admitted when they when they turned themselves in years mm -hmm. ago they kind of like gave them the assurance that you know those people we were back then we're not going to be them now we're going to be right. like you know a little bit tamer and we'll go into to academia and talk about what we did but we ain't mm -hmm. doing that no more but i feel like now even like there wouldn't even be the amnesty, like like there wouldn't even be the option is of you can walk this back. I, I feel yeah. like you would just be dead in the water now, especially especially if you're not white. Like it would be like, um, we're gonna toss you away and you can like give an apology or do whatever, but you're just gonna be in the fringe from now on. Like I feel like yeah. even the walk back wouldn't uh, be possible. Yeah, and I, th I think, I th cause I think, you know, what it is now to be kind of progressive has changed. So they want things that are a bit more like slave play mm -hmm. rather than Dutchman, you know what I'm saying? So- Oh, by the by the way, you had a friend that saw state of slave play and wasn't crazy about it. Did he ever get yeah. to listen to uh, our episode? And see I have to ask. I have okay. to. Ask. I'm not. I'm not sure if they did. Yeah. I, I'm. 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 I'm on the fence. If I'm mad, if I I, I didn't see it, because I heard about it all around the city. Oh really? Sure. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it was um, big within the theater community, which I'm like kind of. I, I step my toes in, but I'm not really a part of anymore. But you know, it was definitely the talk of the of the theater community. 
man, he just announced. He just was announced in like the third. His third play is already announced for uh, the next season of, um, I guess, New York Theater Workshop. And I'm like, yeah. this guy's just on fire. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it's not the same shit. Like you know psychosexual exploration oh it's the same stuff yeah i mean it's not slaves over and over but it's always something about you know what is us fucking each other um mean in the bigger picture you know and that's it's almost like i think and i think that's why movies like the dutchman don't have very much power today because we have gotten to this point where and you know me I, i always blame everything on social media you know we're so connected to each other via social media that we have these groups of people and what they start doing is vying for power. You know what I'm saying? Whether they're vying for power in academia, because even in academia has changed. I'm in Portland. You know, when I was in college, the Black Studies Department, it was radical. You know what I'm saying? These bro- the brother that built that department, he built it in the 60s, mm-hmm. and he just retired. They pretty much forced him into emeritus and into retirement. You know what I mean? And they changed the name. It's now Gender, Race, and Nations. It's not the Black Studies Department anymore. You know what I mean? Wow. And it's more focused on... Uh, identities, all these different identities and the sexual access to each other. You know, everybody wants to mix up. And I'm not saying if, if, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But they have turned into a political thing. I've been catching become up political Foucault. to mix up like I've that. I've been catching up in Foucault. I really think that's where a lot of this came from because it took me a while to kind of figure out where it came from. And then somebody put me onto Foucault and I started like reading about a lot of his work. And a lot of it's about like dominance, discipline, um, exploring power relations through sexual access and yeah. all this stuff. And do you know what I find really interesting with black politics? This is just not just black politics, but a lot of black everything. You, know, you can throw in like movies, TV and stuff like that. Is We got these people who I think kind of grew up in white spaces, grew up in like a, in an MTV childhood, whatever. They, yes. they didn't have a Yo! TV rap childhood, yeah. that, that Adaria childhood or whatever yeah. and then yeah. they um went to maybe an hbcu or got into like blackness later whatever and what i think a lot of people are doing is they're pretending to be doing stuff from a black lineage but they're actually doing it from a white lineage and blackface and like what i mean by that is for example a lot of these black lives matter people mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. think oh these people are the next generation of um SNCC, next generation of um the SCLC or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, the next generation of that, the next generation of uh the Martin Luther King's organization, the next generation of uh Malcolm X's organization. But what a lot of these people actually are is they got into this shit from Occupy. All their yes. politics, yes. all their social yes. media stuff. Yeah. They learned it from Occupy and then That's they're when like it started. Um, yeah, and they're like, hey, all this Occupy shit, you know, that shit is, the white people got that unlocked, and we're not going to get our foot in there, you know? But we can um, make our black version of that, and and then because, you know, they can't say, hey, we're a black version of Occupy, they kind of act like they're, you know, Angela taught me, you know, like Angela Davis and stuff, mm-hmm. but they really not, they didn't really come to it from that. And I feel like the same thing with a lot of like black art now is that, where it's like, they really want to be the black version of Clueless or something, you know, but they want to yeah. pretend that, that or Wes Anderson. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. They want to be the black Wes Anderson. They want to be the black uh, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, there's a lot of that in rap. Like I was just about to say, I, I, that's the. I'm yeah. just gonna say that with you know Tyler the Creator and ASAP Rocky and all these dudes, they don't really care about the art. 
they only care about existing within it. And and not just that, the degree to which they care about the art, they care about it as in, um, for example, Tyler the Creator, right? Uh, there's this interview that he did with Larry King that I talk about a lot. And one day I was thinking of having an episode where we just played a whole interview and talk about it. But there's that much stuff in it, right? But what he talks about like, is he badmouths rap, first of all, throughout the whole interview. And this is it. But then... Um, I wonder if we should just do that now. That'd be interesting. It's it's is it too long? Like I really want to do an episode about this. But but basically, when when he does talk about rap, they ask his influences. He says Eminem. Yeah. And yeah. if you listen to his stuff, you can hear it. Like you know, oh, all yeah. the grown out shit, the voices, yeah. rape, yeah. Uh, gay bag. Hor- it's ho- the horrorcore yeah. rap, and it's not the horrorcore rap that we grew up on, Grave Diggers. You know, stuff like that. It's it's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's some it's, other you know another Detroit level. Insane, the insane kind yeah. of type Bossy. of shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because people don't realize. I I only realized this recently, but Eminem is basically a juggalo. He's a hyper lyrical yes. juggalo. I never realized yes. it. Uh, yes. I always saw the insane clown posse, but I never actually um, listened to the music. So I always thought there was some kind of uh, novelty rap. I didn't yeah. realize how seriously like those guys take rap. Like they're dead serious. Sound, they actually sound better than I thought. Like they don't sound good enough that I'd want to fuck with them, but I'm like, okay, these guys actually are trying. Like, there's an actual earnestness to this. This is not like if you if rap. you if you listen to Eminem rap, um, you listen to his cadence. That's Tretch, and he even said it that he 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 was influenced by Tretch, but his lyrics is this not even you know on that level. And if you break down his lyrics, you're like, okay, he's not even really saying anything. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, but but the whole like aesthetic of it and the subject yeah. matter and everything is pure uh, juggalo. The, juggalo. Do you, know who, yeah. do you know who else is probably even more influential than Tretch on him is uh, AZ. Have you ever yes. heard this album where he raps just like AZ? Yes. <laughs> he, he had this album before the one everyone knows. Before that, my name is Slim Shady. He just sounds. I I heard it on YouTube. Like, he just sounded like wow. just like AZ. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, like, you, you, you say that, because even in a, a cinema perspective, like, if you go back to, like, film, kind of black film history, man, you know, like, you have, like, all these different movements. You have, like, Oscar Michaud back in, like, the silent era. You have, mm. like, the L.A. Rebellion in the 80s with, like, Charles Burnett and Haile Garima, Julie Dash. Even though they, uh, what I'm about to say, they take from Julie Dash, but I'll, I'll, I'll flip that around. Or Chameleon Street, which won at Sundance and all this stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. I go to Black Film Festival yearly and majority of these people know none of these movies they have oh, wow. never seen chameleon street they might know killer is sheep only because white people have seen it but they don't know charles burnett's other films. yeah uh what's it nothing but a man that's like yeah. something that i never see a lot of these people talk about nah man they don't they don't talk about that i mean there's there's a there's a list of films and like i i do this actively because you know i say i i teach films so i have i have black students up at my school my, my school's a state school so it's not like an nyu or something like that i get a lot of young black kids you know young young black or young adults who are coming in the film, you know, and I'm trying to put them on to some stuff and they've never even heard of this stuff. What the, yeah. the, did they think the color purple was black movies or classic wow. black Yeah, yeah. Whoa, wow. Yeah, exactly. Real, and this is Steven Spielberg. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and you know by the by the way, do you know that all the Oscar Me show shit is on Netflix? Low key? Yeah, I know. Yeah. And most of them people do, yeah, they, yeah. they don't even know. Like they don't even know his name. For people who are listening, if you go on Netflix and look for something called Pioneers of African-American Cinema. They don't put it by its title. You have to go, it's called Pioneers of African-American Cinema. It looks like a TV show. And they, it says one season. And it's all those Oscar Show movies. They put it on there as a TV show. Yeah, man. So you go to Pioneers of African-American mm. Cinema. You um, click it. 
and then it's just season one, and it's all these classic black movies. That should be something that should be trumpeted from the treetops. I'm like, how are all these like black people with Twitter accounts and all these representation matters people? They're not sending everybody and their mother to look at this shit instead of talking about Black Panther or the next black superhero nonstop. But I don't I don't think they don't know about it. I don't think it's important to them. I don't think it's important to them, though. It's not important to them. It's both not important to them because white people know about it. And also, they don't even know what it is. Well, the weird thing is white people do know about it. Like that becomes like like Chameleon Street is heavily promoted by white um, art house film collective people. Like you'll see it at BAM every couple of years. You'll see it at Metrograph every couple of years, right? You'll see it in Europe. The white tastemakers love these mm. movies. Like they love, they gave Charles Burnett an honorary Oscar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They love, well, well, they love that stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's this weird thing where like black art of like like that this like kind of classical black art is left in the wards of white people and black people but, with, but with something, means don't, don't 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 care but something too uh the white people that celebrate that are kind of like especially in europe they will dig and oh, they will totally. find stuff that will surprise you i feel like a lot of these types these blavity types they want some white lowest common denominator stuff like like they want to do yeah, stories guess. about like how daria is uh secretly the wokest thing on earth and it's like <laughs> like, right. like weird shit well you know the the, the 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 people that are into charles burnett and you know white people in europe those are the same people that's the reason why miles davis and those guys made so much yeah. money in europe because when we gave up on jazz when we gave up on all these different genres of stuff they pick up on that but like you said this new age of quote unquote I call them the Wokey McWokingtons. That's what they do. They'll take the bottom of the barrel stuff and troll us yeah. to death with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there'll be some stuff where you'll be like, dude, it's not even that deep. They'll, they'll, you know they'll what be I mean? celebrating friends. And because I think a lot of those people, their dream. Sex in the city. Yeah, their dream is to be like very mainstream yeah. and very um, part of the club. Like, I think they grow up watching shit. And tired of creators like this. And a lot of them are like this in that. They think so low of black stuff that stuff that's white and very basic and lowest comedy denominator, they think it's like the highest of the high. So they think like, uh, they'll be like, where's the black friends? We need a black version of friends. And right. first off, that's not, that's not a great thing to aspire to. Like, like, like white people think of friends as like just, you know, nostalgic, mainstream, like mall shit. Yeah. Second thing is friends is really the white version of living single. Like there was a black. <laughs> right. Yes, there was a black direct a directly. It's a it's right. a straight yeah, death. It's a straight, yeah, it's a straight uh, ripoff. Like it's documented that I mean, this isn't this isn't just like you know we were kings type shit. You know, this is like it's like documented like that the creative uh, friends uh, ripped off Living Single, well, you but, know, but, but think, they don't want to well, do a Living Single. They because well, you know, the, the crazy thing about it is that, like in our in my generation, I'm 37, so in my generation, if 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 we were gonna do that, then it would have been we would have been ripping off 90210. We wouldn't want to be like 90210 or something like that. But what I found is that. And plus, also, there's layers to these uh, kind of wokey McWokingtons. And I, I think I was talking to you, uh, T, not too long ago. They were, we were talking about uh, the Zepter Nipsey Hussle passed away. And there's a lot of black people that are in L.A. And they were always talking about where are all the black people. You know, they come there as, you know, they're black, but they come there as gentrifiers. And they come there asking where all the black people are. And it's, and it's one of those things where they don't want the black art 
the true black art the same way they don't want to be around real black people. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll expose them. You know what I'm saying? It'll it's too, it's too yeah. much for they them. Want yes. the brunch, they want the brunch, they yes. want the brunch blacks. They want to yeah. go where the, where the brunch yes. blacks are. It'll, and the other interesting thing you see is, though, then you'll see some of them like like Beyonce, how she totally appropriated all of like Julie Dash's stuff, all the daughters of the dust stuff. Yes. So what they'll, what they'll also do is they'll like take the aesthetics and use it for some kind of prestige. Like I took Julie Dash's aesthetics and threw it in my stuff. That means I'm woke. But it's like you just took her aesthetics right. and you made it into some pop Pepsi stuff. Like you didn't take like yeah. you didn't take what they were really doing, which was some really left wing, left of Hollywood stuff. You just took it and repackaged it. You took the tra- you took the superficial trappings of it. Exactly. Like uh, I know somebody once said, like you know, they described something, and it was such a good description that I just like used it for a lot of stuff because it applies to a lot of stuff. But they said, uh, I, I heard someone critique someone much by saying, you know, this is imitation. This is imitation without inspiration. Yeah. And what the person was saying is, mm. you imitated all like the ticks and the trappings, but. It's like a soulless. It, it's like a tethered. It's like a. It's like a a copy that has like no soul. It's like when you look at those yeah. CGI people. You know. You know what I do like CGI too realistic. And the more closer they come to copying a human being, the less real it looks. Like the yeah. uncanny valley. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. this face looks dead. Look, look at this video game. A lot of this art is like that. Like they will slavishly copy this shit and then there's like there's like nothing behind the eyes there's like something soulless about it it's like watching the, that bruno mars video and it had all these different remnants of in oh, loving yeah. color with, and, uh, with, with card and i was right, like yeah. okay yeah i'm like i know you're paying homage but it just looks it still looks dead like there's no soul yeah the soul is gone but that's you know? like a, that, that's that's a long old hollywood tradition it's like and it's funny this is something i i, I constantly think is like a lot of what black people are doing and Hollywood now is doing what white people have always done to say like, cause people like exploitation of Hollywood is like as old as Hollywood is itself. The white people were exploiting yeah. each other. You exploiting the black people, Absolutely. the black folk. Like there's this cat named Kenneth Anger, right? He used to make these like really wild, weird films in the sixties, you know, like- Oh, Kenneth, like, Kenneth Anger, was he doing the British like uh, angry young man stuff or is he some, yeah, someone else? He, is he, is uh, he, no, no, he was doing like, you, I, know, you, I know who you're thinking, of. that's not Kenneth Anger. Kenneth Anger did things like the, um, he's like short films like Lucifer Rising and like God, a, lot, a lot of like LGBT, TQ stuff. He was doing all these like really weird experimental stuff, right? In the 60s in Hollywood. But these big cats like Paul Schrader were like taking his shot frames, taking his ideas and putting them into like major motion pictures, right? So the stuff that we see in black filmmakers do to the old school cast like Julie Dash is what white people have been doing. So they're just pretty much following their rules. The, the, the new black Hollywood functions how the old white Hollywood or really white Hollywood has always functioned. You know what I'm saying? Grabbing stuff that was out there, recontextualizing it and repackaging it and making it cute. Oh, mm. I know why I know Kenneth Anger. He, was he the same one who did the book um, Hollywood Babylon? Yep, exactly. That's that's Kenneth Anger. Okay, that's that's where I know I know him from. Is he is he a black guy? He's a white guy. Okay, all right. That's a, that's what I thought. But you're seeing a lot of people that are just taking his stuff. Yeah, and... Casper just taking his stuff, right? And like and like and they would be honest about it. You know what I'm saying? They wouldn't like lie and say that they weren't taking it. But on the on the flip side, you know, 
you know, no one was really asking them either. They're like, oh, snap, look at his dope shot ideas you coming up with. So original. Well, you know, if they asked him, he said, well, I got it from Kenneth Anger, but no one was really asking him. I think a great example of that, like, imitation with no inspiration was when uh, Beyonce did the Black Panther Super Bowl special. Oh, man. And, it, and it's like, what does that really mean? Yeah. Like, if you're doing it at the Super Bowl, like, this is just cosplay. Yeah. This is... Yeah. And then... When Hillary Clinton got Jay-Z and Beyonce to do um, something for her, she did the same song at performance, like note for note, but then she dressed him up in pantsuits. So it's like, wait, uh. if this is something that you can take the same song and switch it from Black Panther cosplay to Hillary Clinton pantsuits, like, what does it mean? Like, like if this song actually meant anything in it, formation, right? Anything radical that had anything to do with the Panthers, yeah. then... When you try to sing the song dressed as uh, Hillary Clinton, it wouldn't work. I found the clip. It's actually 28 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And I think I think I actually want to do it. I, I want to do the um, title of the creator thing. I keep referencing this thing, and I never actually do a show on it. So mm-hmm. um, if you guys are down for it, let's just uh, talk about that real quick. And then we'll do like 10 minutes to just, you know, talk about whatever else we can. Okay. Uh, right. So uh, here goes. And if at any point you want to jump in, just start talking and I'll hit stop. You don't have okay. to uh, wait for anything because this is a long interview. All right. So uh, here, here we go. Cool. On Larry King now, visionary rapper Tyler, the creator from the random artwork. It was just our own style of thing, so people gravitated to it and was also like, wow, they make cool music and damn, they're funny too. And things. You're a renaissance man. I don't know if that, okay. Like in the future, I want to, like I want to do films. I want people to mention my name. I'm next to Wes Anderson or Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> like those still talking? two. Like those yeah. two of all people too. He says it right and off the bat too. By, like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, you know, that's like the highest you can aspire. I'm, I'm not saying that those guys are hacks, you know, but it's like, uh, when you hear in the context of the actual university interview, you'll see why it's a little more galling, but. Um, okay. I don't want to be, I don't want my name to be mentioned next to other rappers at all. So how do you deal? And it's like, why say that? Like, like, why disparage rap like that? Like, what does Quentin Tarantino do in film? that's any worse than what rappers do in music. I mean, he's basically a sampler. He's he's basically totally. a remixer, basically. Yeah, he totally is. Yeah, yeah, but I would say, if anything, rap is more creative to pre-existing music than Tarantino is to pre-existing film. Yeah, I mean, it still has to do also, I kind of think, where even, even to this day, even though rap has gotten into, you know, the Smithsonian and places like that, it's still not seen as a high cultural art form. And cinema is still seen as this kind of like height of high culture or high pop culture. Like Tarantino is seen to be this kind of person. He's at the Cannes Film Festival. He's at this high level. So it's, it's, it's some self-hatred about the stuff he does because he still doesn't see it on this high he- level. Yeah, and and but it's like really, I think if anything, Tarantino is taking a lot of inspiration from hip hop because he's basically absolutely he's totally. basically done yeah. a hip hop approach to film because like uh, hip hop kind of made it in such a way like you don't have to be a guy who is super technical and knows how to play instruments to create music. You know what I mean? And I feel like uh, Tarantino is kind of like 
I can just kind of sample shit and put it together yeah. and make that. That was basically what that was how I looked at uh, Pulp Fiction. You know what I mean? Like I looked at that as like almost like watching a watching a mixtape. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, this is a great when way I to first put it. seen that movie, I didn't know what the hell was going on, but I knew that Samuel Jackson was talking crazy. I knew it was people getting shot in it. I didn't know what the story was. I figured it out years later when I was old enough to understand. But just seeing that off off rip, it was like watching a mixtape. So That's I mean, real. for him, you know, for him to. To start talking about, oh, I don't want my name connected to any rappers. Okay, wait. So you can use this vehicle because if you didn't rap, we wouldn't know who the fuck you were. Exactly. You know what I mean? I hate, I hate to say it like that. You know, you know, got to be frank a little bit. We wouldn't know who the fuck you are, dude. And first, secondly, you're not even the best rapper. So for you to make it like, it's almost like if who's the middle of the pack NBA player? I don't know. You know, um, whoever. DeAndre play, Jordan. Deon, thank you. DeAndre Jordan. I was going to say, anybody that plays for the Knicks. So DeAndre <laughs> yeah. Jordan DeAndre Jordan comes out and says, I don't want to be mentioned with anything with NBA players. LeBron James is going to be looking like, who the fuck are you? Exactly. You know, Kendrick's going to be looking at Tyler Creator like, wait a minute, who are you again? But, you know, I will say this, I will say this about Tyler the Creator. Like, when you hear him rap, I wouldn't call him a middle-of-the-road guy as far as actual skill level. Like, I think ASAP Rocky is more of an actual middle-of-the-road skills-wise guy. But yeah. I feel like there's a certain laziness to tire the creator. He kind of just phones in this kind of juggalo type of Eminem type of shtick, you know. Ah, oh, yeah, you know, rapey, rapey, rape, you know, faggot, faggot, yeah, faggot. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like it's, yeah. it's, it's very hacky, you know what I mean? But I think, uh, but I do think he somebody that if you he has the raw materials if he wanted to he could probably do great rap if he respected the craft and the lineage of it more and that's what's kind of almost even more frustrating about him both disparaging rap and also not doing anything particularly classic in terms of uh what he could be doing you know what i'm saying like uh because i heard it, i heard some songs of his where i hear him rap and i'm like this guy's a clever wordplay he's, he's he's not a talentless guy you know he he could he could be much better than what he ends up being. Yeah, but he's not. Uh, yeah, ex yeah, exactly. Hold on. <laughs> so let me play a little more. Rap music may have launched him into the mainstream, but Tyler, the creator, is much more than just a rapper. The 23-year-old Los Angeles native also produces, directs, designs, runs two massively successful clothing lines, stars in the Adult Swim sketch comedy show Loiter Squad. Tyler, the creator... That right there is part of the problem. Like, like you know, we talked about in previous episodes about how these people, they just kind of want to be famous and do mm -hmm. shit. And the way it's kind of admirable, that hustle, but at the same time, there's a kind of lack of commitment to anything. Like, yeah. can you imagine, like, uh, Rakim or Big Daddy Kane and one of those people early in their career had seven different hustles going on, you know? Well, that's the, the, the jack of all trades, masters of master of right. is kind of a, 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 almost a favored thing. And even, even to a degree, like I could be a master, but I don't really want to be a master. I, but look, but, 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 but look how dope I am. Just kind of half-assing everything. Yeah. I've been able to yeah. accumulate all this wealth being a half-asser of eight different things. I'm dope. And it's almost cool to half-ass because yeah. it's like caring is like uncool. Like, like when they play that clip of all the different rappers, Someone collected this clip of all these rappers bragging about how they don't rhyme. Like, I'm not into that lyrical miracle shit, you know. Yeah, right. I just want to make that money. That that Cardi right. B, NBA young boy, the guy from... You, you know, it, it would it would be almost like, you guys remember the, uh, the group... Takashi 69 yeah. You guys, you guys remember the group uh, Group Home? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, you know, Malachi the Nutcracker and those... They couldn't rap. 
You know what I'm saying? No, but they, it, were bad. they were bad. But those premier beats was just hitting, you know? So, oh, but it, it would be like if they came out and said the same things he's saying. Like, I'm not saying he can't rap. What I'm saying is, is so is it like a direct line that the way you rap, you're so good at it that, oh, I, I just need to go do Tarantino type things. Like, you're on that I'll level in the rap game? I'll put something even different. I'll put something different about Malachi and I forgot Young uh, Lil Dap. I forgot what yeah, Lil Dap. Yeah, yeah. You know what made them different? And I'll say this is what makes it different about them. And something that also makes that album one of the classic. That's one of the greatest right? albums. Like yeah. that's one of the best albums with the worst raps ever. Yes. And, and you know what? You know what I think makes it work. And it not only works in spite of the raps. The raps almost help it. Like the terribleness of the raps. Yeah. Like. Those guys were really giving it their all. Yeah, like, right. those yeah. dudes were not looking down on rap. They weren't half-assing it. That was just the best those dudes. That's as good rap. as they yeah. could do. And, yeah. And Primo's like, my beats are so dope that these yeah. black raps can't even ruin them. <laughs> Primo yeah. never gave yeah. anybody better better beats than those. I swear to God. <laughs> exactly. Come never on, got better fuck? beats. Come on. <laughs> but those guys were putting their blood, sweat, and tears Absolutely. in those rap. Like, oh, I remember yeah. like. Like the song Superstar and Lil Dap was like, you know, my manifest is blah, blah, blah. Like, like he's, he's really thinking he's doing work. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like those guys thought they were part of the lineage, the tradition yeah. of rap. They're like, you know, we want to rap next to our heroes. This guy yes. is like scoffing yeah. at it while he's making. And I think that's a big difference. Like there's this thing, like we talked about this in past episodes. Like There's these two things that I think is very common now. And that's like anti craft and anti-effort you know and you know we always blame everything on millennials and stuff and i think this is something where gen x has something to do with it too because there yeah. were some gen x people i think like i think jay-z was a big start of it right mm-hmm. jay-z was what i would call anti-effort like yeah his totally. craft is obviously high no one can say that his craft wasn't good but he kind of made it seem like yeah i never write down my rhymes yeah, you know yeah. oh i could do better can you imagine if i actually tried and right. this dope and, and then it became i not only don't other people started following with yeah Lil wayne started saying that yeah yeah and then anti-effort became followed by anti-craft which is yeah not only do i not try it sounds like i don't try and that almost makes me doper like fuck yeah. trying that's corny you, like, you well, know what i'm saying people kind of fall into this idea of like the innate talent myth that like oh yeah. everything is like innate talent like it, and it's kind of i remember when i was in acting school right like your first year there you kind of get beat up because they, they're basically telling you oh yeah you have innate talent but if you ain't got no technique you can't really do nothing so you you're spending the first year beating up 18 year 18 19 year old students who are so arrogant to think that i don't have to work to be dope as wow. an actor right and that's a thing like that i think really went into rap and i agree with you jay-z was one of the first ones i, I saw cats try to like freestyle in the booth mm-hmm. try to act like they could do that and i'm like dude you can't do that like you're, come on and jay-z probably is overblowing how much he's freestyling in the booth exactly exactly like there was this thing it's called self-handicapping it's this uh concept of social psychology and self-handicapping is when you try to create a handicap that will give you an out yeah. beforehand. So what you do is like self-handicapping, an example will be, um, hey, I went out and I drank like crazy the night before the, this test. I didn't even study at all, wow. you know. And you announce it like before you take a test. 
So then, did you really go out and drink? That's the first thing. If you did, that's a certain type of handicapping, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe you, you actually didn't do that. You're just saying that. But either way, whether you really went out and drank the night before the test or didn't, what you're doing by announcing it is giving yourself an out like, yo, if I fail, it's like, hey, I didn't even fucking try. What did you expect? <laughs> I went out that's and, real. and drank the night right, before. That's right. real. Yeah. But, but if you do good, then it sounds even better because now you're right. like, wow, look how I did. Can you imagine uh, if I tried? But what's interesting about that is in social psychology, they have some people who will do shit. Like, they will study like crazy. And I saw this on uh, Investigation Discovery profile once of somebody that turned out to be like a sociopathic killer, right? But, but uh, they were talking about how weird he was. And one of the things that he would do is he would show up in the school library, like in hour or two before a test and he'd come in looking frazzled and he'd be like oh my god i didn't study at all i'm gonna fucking fail this thing i gotta cram he'd be asking people like for notes and flashcards and whatever and then it would turn out that he would ace the test he's like i don't know how this happened and then um it happened like two or three times and then the girl who was telling the story said yo we talked to Corey's roommate and we mentioned like it's crazy how he doesn't study and the roommate's like what are you talking about that dude oh, was wow. here studying for like every single day all he does is study so what this dude would do is he would study like crazy like a maniac and then he would show up last minute at the library and act like and to go back to the jay-z thing like who really knows what he's doing you know when we he don't shows know up sure and or not. Says, yeah they don't know like maybe he really does just show up with yeah. uh the rhymes in his head he just came up with it or maybe he just fucking wrote and memorized the shit out of a lot of rhymes and he has them in his memory banks to be used on any given totally. he might be working like fucking crazy hard, you know? And all these people who end up trying to do the same thing, but not actually knowing what's really behind it, end up with shit that sounds like, you know, what unpreparedness actually should sound like. You know what I'm saying? Like right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like, yeah, I think, but I still think like anti-effort is still better than anti-craft. Cause like, that's, that's like the worst when you're just like bragging about, you know, hey, I didn't even try. And yeah, I know it sucks. Like, you know, fuck mm -hmm. it. I'm proud that it sucks, you know? Well, we, 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 we've definitely stepped into it. I mean, you know, I, I, like I said, I teach in a college, so, you know, and I, I teach arts to college, and I, I'm, I'm big on technique and recognizing technique, and I do a lot of screenwriting stuff, right? And it's, you know, my students are pretty receptive to it, but I definitely meet that student here and there who just wants to reject all of that. Like, why do I need all that? Why can't I just be me? I'm like, because the things you love have craft to it. Trust me. But, but you know what I think scares them? Like, like the, the fragility behind it is I think some people are afraid that if I try the same way that guy, you know, if he actually studies for the test is like, if I never try, it's the same yeah. self handicapping. If I never try and I fail, I have an excuse. If I never try and it turns out good, then I can always, you know, brag like, Hey, I didn't even try. But if I try really hard and it sucks, then that just must mean that I suck. And that, I think that fear is what stops a lot of people. That's like, great. Like, no, I, I, I agree with you on that. That's that's how I'm taking that with me because I, I definitely really agree with that. Yeah, I think a lot of people is like, that's what scares them. Like, like if they had a space where they could believe it's okay to do your best and have it still suck as long as you learn from it. Like, you can come back from that. But a lot of people don't think that. They think, I'm afraid of finding out what my limitations are and, that, and find out that I'm not as special as I convinced myself I was. Let's listen to more of this thing, because okay. th this thing just keeps getting better. Hold on. There is the ringleader of the hip-hop collective Art Future, a group of friends and inventive minds who have spawned a unique artistic renaissance taking hold of the millennial generation. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but it sounds <laughs> really, really awesome. Hey, baby. Sick. 
Does it irritate you when people refer to you only as a rapper? Yes. Why? Uh, I'm much more than that. I, I just like making stuff and rhyming words together in a rhythm is just one of those things. But it got you famous, though, didn't it? Uh, I think. I don't I know. I think my personality overall did. But, you know, was- Why would you rather get over on your personality than your craft? That's, that's weird. Like, like he's... You know what I'm saying? I think it's a weird answer. I don't know. I think that, but I think there's, it's weird. I mean, I'm not trying to give him credit. I think there's a, there's a weird acknowledgement of what sells you in Hollywood. It, it's, it's, it's your persona. It's all, it's all what you can sell as far as your, your vibe. I think they have a recognition of what does sell. They just have a very nefarious kind of relationship to it. Mm-hmm. In my yeah. Like, see, that's kind of the problem. I think you're absolutely right. I just think that, that that's what you want. Yeah. I feel like he wants, like, he not only acknowledges, like, okay, I'll say this, for example, if if you told Nas, right, like, because Nas is kind of the opposite of Jay-Z in that he's very conspicuously craft guy, like, he writes songs about his notebook, he has, like, tracks about, you know, you ever hear a track where he's flipping through pages of his notebook? Oh, yeah, yeah. Book of Rhymes. Book of Rhymes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he wants people to think that he's working really hard, and that's one yeah. thing I will always give not credit on he wants people to think that he's thinking and eminem is like that too like I, there's a lot about eminem's raps i don't like and his aesthetic but he does want people to think that he's thinking about this shit like you know he doesn't want people to think that he's uh an effortless guy you know uh they're almost like that to almost an annoying opposite degree you know but i feel like if you told them yeah no one really cares about your rap you know your personality will get you over they will kind of be offended so like yeah i i agree with you that he's honest about what he is but he's not only accepting it he almost like celebrates the um, oh yeah i totally agree mm-hmm. yeah uh, something else i'll say about these guys too and this is why i always call them the basquiat's like to the degree that they do acknowledge black forebearers the only thing they acknowledge about black forebearers are the ones who got white people to like them. And yeah. when they end up yeah. when they do end up liking black creative ancestors or creative forebearers, they like them, not even them for the craft, but their real takeaway is wow, this guy was the first person to get really get white people to fuck with him totally. on a big level. So like they might like Will Smith and they'll like him because like, wow, he really showed a black person can become an A-list action star. Like and he can really get people to fuck with him they like Basquiat but they just know that he has some dinosaur and some crowns they don't care all they care about is he really got white people in the downtown scene the tastemakers to really fuck with him in a major degree you know Pharrell is like you know they're like wow Pharrell really on those runways you know on the oh sidelines you know yeah. really fucking with those designers so yeah to the degree they do like black people uh, as drawing from black tradition that's the only type of black people they draw from black people they got white people to fuck with. And all they take from those people is that they got white people to fuck with them yeah. on a major way. Crap that was yeah, for the, yeah, for the most part, more or less. You don't knock it. Um, Yeah, I don't knock it, but I do so much other stuff that I just, I believe, as time prevails, I know for sure people are going to recognize me for it, so I don't really stress it. What were you like as a kid in high school? What were um, annoying. Um, Where'd you go to school, LA? I changed, yeah, I changed schools every year. I didn't have many friends like close ones well i was always the uh the odd one out no pun were you a class comic uh, i was a class clown yes uh yeah i'm pretty much the same shorter <laughs> shorter yeah i was i was shorter i got taller <laughs> so how did the music thing start i've been in the music since a young when like the only seven year old <clears throat> spending birthday money 
as Sam Goody and like Best Buy on albums. And this part's kind of good because this is kind of like interesting craft I've used. And not looking at toys, like only getting music and stuff and like focusing on um on like the different sounds and stuff. Like so in your DNA, yeah, you like still in CDs and then like just so, things like that. So I started started rhyming words at like seven. And then around 12 is when I start like trying to play piano and play instruments and I taught myself drums and things like that. Wow. So, did you graduate high school? Yeah, of course. And then what did you do? How did you make, how did you start professionally? One, I'm not a professional because I don't know what I'm doing. I just Ooh, do that's, ooh, that's, like that's weird. That's weird. But that's also kind of anti-crap, anti-effort thing. It's a weird totally. thing to say, right? Yeah, yeah. What do you guys make out of that? He's, he's my two questions. He's my two question to you guys. First, do you think he actually doesn't know what he's doing? And two, if not, why does he say it? Because I think there's a certain level that he's proud of it. Like, he wants people to think he doesn't know what he's doing. It's funny. Like, I'm going to say something. Like, I remember reading one time with the RZA some years ago, and he had talked about, and I always thought the RZA was, like, a real brilliant cat. And I still think he's very brilliant. You know, I got issues with, like, later RZA. I think he's a real brilliant dude. Mm -hmm. But one time he kind of, like, dissed himself, and it kind of disturbed me. He said, yeah, you know, I did all the sampling stuff, but one day I need to, I, I feel like I need to learn how to use instruments. So he kind of was, like, dissing what he had did before as kind of inferior with Wu-Tang earlier. Like, I needed to graduate. And I was like, yeah. And I feel like Tyler's kind of being like that, too. Like, I still, I, th I think he has an inferiority about the things that he does. Like, he doesn't and, see and, it as highly skilled, as a and, highly and developed is, art form. Yeah. And the thing is, like, rap is probably the single most last super creative force that we've totally. had ever. Yeah. What after rap has been, like, rap wasn't a new version of an existing genre. Rap was the last really whole new genre. I can't think of a, yeah. another new punk genres. Well, even punk rock was still like a derivative of like, you know, rock. Like, yeah. right. you know, and, and, and that came well, I mean, I mean, I mean if, if, if you want to, I mean, to get really technical, when you're talking about rhyming, I mean, you can go listen to James Brown and go listen to Muhammad Ali and what he's doing, he's rapping. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it wasn't an art form as far P as music. P Markham, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But the whole package, like the actual, the beats, the, the music DJ, along the scratch, with it, yeah, the break beat, yeah. Because, because, because rap is not one. Hip hop is not one ingredient. I think when you, I'm guilty of this. Well, you know, rap, rap, rap is just something being done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rap is one part. Hip hop. I mean, the whole package of hip hop, you know, yeah. is really a cultural force that I don't think is ever going to be matched by anything. I think it might be the no. last. I also think a sampler counts as an instrument. Like, but well, but that's the absolutely. thing. Like, if, yeah. like, if, you, if you think about it, the, the turntable industry was saved by the DJ. Like techniques. Yeah. The te yeah. Techniques, no one cared about techniques. Like they were no. a fledgling company, man. Like I'm, I'm good friends with Grand Mixer DXT who, you know, made, who did Rocket. He's a, he's a, he's yeah, a le mentor of mine. Legend, right? And he told me, he was like, techniques was done until I did Rocket. They were Dude, the, te the technique, the technique turntable, I have a technique. And it's from '92. Yeah. The reason why the technique was so important because it was belt driven. So yeah, it, it's exactly. not. It's, it's, it's actually it's direct driven. It's not a belt driven. A belt yeah. driven turntable. You can't scratch with that. It's gonna break. Mm -hmm. So when technique was going out of business, they just started making techniques again, and they're selling them for like ten thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's I like a brand new invention they put together. You know. I think something people have to do too is they really have to watch good hip.
hip hop documentaries because there's a lot of bad oh, ones. Yes. I'm, I'm yes. say bad ones. I mean bad ones that just think we have to name all the greats. But I'm talking about one that takes the DJing part seriously. Yeah, if you, Scratch. I mean Scratch. Scratch, Scratch is good yes. for that, man. Scratch yes. and you, you, it gives you the history. Yeah. Yeah, and and there's a reason why I started with the DJ, like that, because I think technology has made a lot of what the DJ does unnecessary. But people don't realize people used to create when it first started. They make the break beat on the spot you would take two yeah. copies of the same yeah. record and you would just keep that yes. empty part of the song so you would loop a beat live on the spot yes you wouldn't yes. like you know have yeah. a sampler and then repeat no. the stuff like like you had to like create the beat on the spot with two two duplicate records and just keep flipping it back and forth and then create the beat then load up the next beat seamlessly to keep the guy uh I think, rapping it was a really interesting thing but i think the, i think when someone like tyler the creator the way he talked is i think the reason why he can talk that way is because there's really no standard for what to be the best you know what i'm saying it's, it's almost yeah. like uh AA, aau basketball there's a whole lot of basketball players and well which one's the best i don't fucking know whichever one goes to do that's the one that's the best <laughs> you know that's where we're at now to where if you look at going all the way back to grandmaster melly mel you know what i mean that was the standard at one point in time melly mel was the the standard. You know what I'm saying? Then it went from that to Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, and it kept getting better and better. Now we're at Biggie Smalls. Now we're at Jay-Z. Now we're at Snoop. Now we're at, you know, Nas. It stops somewhere. So once it stops and nobody wants to be the best. Remember, there was a point in time where Jay-Z, what was that line? The best rapper alive at the end of the song. And then then Lil Wayne did it. The best rapper alive since the best rapper retired. Because remember, Jay retired. So yeah. there was a standard being set to be better, but that is that doesn't exist anymore. People, it, it, people it doesn't want, exist. No, no, there's a standard, but it's different. The standard is to be popular, which is not the same yes. as being the best. And yes. that's, that's yes. the real change, right? Uh, it changed from wanting to be the best. And again, that's where the anti-craft comes from. Yes. Part of the things they brag about when they brag about anti-craft and anti-effort, they're like, I just want to make money. What's money mean? Popularity. And yeah. right. they say money, but they really mean popularity. Because I think a lot of these people... It's that Big Bang um, Hank shit. <laughs> yeah, a lot of these people, even if they didn't make the money, if they still had the clout and the popularity, yes. they would still be happy. You know, they, they the money is just a way to them to measure the popularity. That's and, and, what it and is. That, and that side of the art has always existed. I mean, that's Sugar Hill yeah. Gang. Nobody would ever compare Sugar Hill Gang to Grandmaster Cass. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that part of the game has always existed. It's just that it has become more important. Case and example, Nipsey Hussle passes away. We've seen what that looked like. We've seen how that affected the true element of the hip hop culture. But Nipsey don't even have a gold record. That's real. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? He and, doesn't and, have a gold and record. There's probably a lot of people on message boards, if you look around, I'm sure a lot of people are probably saying, well, how much did he sell though? Exactly. Probably, that's the more, conversation. More, probably. Yeah, yeah. And and that's what I think. Because one thing if you notice too, right? Um, we said, We've said this before, right? On this show where we said that it's corny to rap about what a good rapper you are. Nobody raps about being a good rapper anymore. Nobody raps yes. about being popular, having the most holes, being on being on runways and stuff. And that's always been a part of it. But before, part implication was your craft got you there. Yes. Like, like the thing was, yes. I I rap so good that it made me rich. I my rhymes like it was seamless. There was no way you could 
tease them apart. You couldn't tease apart the rapping about your skill apart from the rapping about you your had, money. You had, to, you had to rap about how dope you was, how the girlies like you. Now, the problem with that is, here comes the battle, because you keep saying how dope you are, oh, I want to battle you. Yeah. But if you're only yeah. rapping about bitches, hoes, and cars, well, you ain't talking about nothing. Nobody even wants to rap about battling. Now it's almost corny. If someone said, hey, I was battling, it would be, people are looking yeah. like they're corny. Like, like, like yeah. if Drake rapped about battling somebody, people are like, you're supposed to brag about how you're too big to battle. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm too yeah. big to be running. It's like LeBron won't do the dunk contest. He's too big right. for that. He's too big yeah. for that. Yeah. Do you, do you know and you another example of anti-crap? Here's another example. Uh, the clips. One thing to hate about the clips, the clips would be like, I'm not you, rapper. They, they would say rapper like it was a slur like you know like a pedophile Benny Siegel like, used know? to do that what was that Benny Siegel Benny Siegel used to do oh, that oh, he, yeah. oh, yeah. his, his whole career was based on that yeah Benny Siegel I'm was like oh, yeah, I'm not a rapper I'm not a rapper he, he was like yeah. he, he always bragged about how he stumbled into rap and yeah he, he was nothing one of those anti-craft guys that's why I like to say that it didn't start with millennials it's easy to blame millennials but the seeds of it were in yeah Benny Siegel I remember a friend of mine said that once but a friend of mine was like okay we get it uh but you've been a rapper for 10 years now how long are you gonna yeah, yeah. Come on, brag man. about <laughs> yeah. and um, you, you are you're a rapper bruh you're yeah, a rapper, exactly. man. You're, pretty much a rapper. you're not the postman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and if you're still selling drugs now, then that's a problem because right. you've been in this game like long enough. People have wrapped to get out of it. Like not to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, like, like Pusha T clearly cares about rapping. You don't get that good without caring about it. So why they have to use rapper like a slur? Like you know, yeah. he, right. he 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 he's doing twenty years of coke rhymes. Like, you know, yeah, it's like yeah. your rapping life is probably three or four times longer than your drug dealing life. And you're trying to stretch. It's almost like I just happen that- to be doing this. This is, I just yeah. happen to be a rapper. Yeah, I think it was also a defense mechanism, too, because like they, you know, in the, especially in the 2000s, when you had a lot of underground rappers where they were saying, well, the underground is better than them mm-hmm. and it's overground cats. So how they could get back at them is like, uh-huh, y'all are corny. I got money. Y'all care right. about rap. Aha, uh-huh, look how look how corny y'all are caring yep. about some art form and you ain't got no money. Right. right. <laughs> yep. You see, but yep. see, but I get it with the people who can't rap on the underground level because that's kind of an overcompensation. What I don't get it from is the Jay-Z's and the Pusha T's who can rap as good as the underground. They have that underground level of skill. And I think it's more like well, I think with the Takashi's and the Cardi B's, they're overcompensating because the underground people would tell them oh you don't have any skills and they're like well you know yeah. what i mean i have skills but i got the money but i think the other people the jay-z's and stuff they're embarrassed that they care which is a different thing they're yeah. like you yes. know yeah. they feel like yeah. it's nerdy it's kind of like uh how it used to be kind of nerdy to study you know people would be like uh oh uh it's nerdy to act like you care about studying if you want to be cool. oh man like, caring about I, caring about rhyme caring about dope rhymes is like being a nerd for comic books these oh, days totally yeah yeah, you know? yeah exactly and and uh actually even that's cool now <laughs> you know like, yeah, like i know right <laughs> uh, even that's cool now but if you actually sit at home reading all the comics yes. then is right. yes yeah yeah you have to act like you just kind of effortlessly know it but if someone if <laughs> someone said hey you want to hang out oh no i just got like a stack of comics trying to get through you know even even the, <laughs> even the comic book stands would kind of make fun of you they were like man it's kind of nerdy you gotta sit down and actually read this shit like you know they want to go on t- they want to go on tumblr and just you know, you know copy the gifs and and ship yeah. the couples you know they don't want to actually uh Work like working is corny. Working hard at shit is um, oh yeah, is corny. Oh yeah, corny. Yeah, it's and, corny and to now, work hard. And now being good at shit is even corny. Like I'll give another example, right? Picture somebody came out calling themselves MC something. How corny that would look. Right, right, yeah. right, right. People would look at you like you're crazy. Like just to designate yourself an MC. You know, in the, like you, you can call yourself MC Ren or MC 
search or MC, you know, MC you, anything. Was, yeah, yeah. You literally you just kind of stumbled into rap on the way to fucking Kardashian. That's basically, you right, know, right. Uh, how you got to make it seem. That's the epitome, man. You know, Kanye told him, I mean, that's that's who their father is. You know, Kanye, everything that Kanye got right now, this is what he wanted. Yeah. You know, he got the but exotic Kanye, looking tra- white girlfriend and the, the yeah. he's doing whatever he's doing with rap. You know what I'm saying? He's not trying hard, you know? But at least Kanye, he's still tries to say he was he's a genius you know these guys oh are, yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. i think it's very yeah. exaggerated but you're yeah. right he's the father of, of all this but <laughs> yeah, yeah but that's yeah. funny what they get from kanye is the white acceptance they don't get the yes. you know uh level of work they don't care about it. And, the, and that he was hustling in fashion and all that shit they all want to have their yeah. fashion lines. yeah it ain't ralph well, though make money so. from yeah we'll pay you first your first paycheck musically came was from. the sickest shit ever can i curse yeah go ahead fucking sick uh, what did you do it was at the low end theory. It was like 2010. It was me and my, uh, it was, it was five of us. And they paid us 500 bucks to do like a 30 minute set. It was the craziest show and we split that. And we thought we were so on. It wasn't a lot of money, but like we were broke and we thought we were so on and it was the sickest shit ever. And uh, that's just from us putting out music on the internet. Like I set up a site and we just throw stuff on it. All the random artwork that I would make, I would put on there. All the dumb videos of us just being annoying, we would just put out and um, people gravitated to it. And it was sick because, like, it was just us. This thing else, this style's not gonna age well because they kind of get off on being pests. I guess just, yeah. like I said, just putting it out that on the and people just caught on and word of mouth and word of mouth. And I think it's more because, you know, people could relate to that. Like, we was just fucking around, but we made music too. And from the random artwork, it was just our own style of thing. So people gravitated to it and was also like, wow, they make cool music and damn, they're funny too. And wow, this is- How'd you look, how'd you look how, how old is he? And this interview um, is 23. Cool thing, I didn't go to school with okay. most of them. Um, I met some of them at a skate park or like, through mutual I'm sorry friends, for the boring part, so just to know the exact um, levels where idea he's- so, so is he what, 25 now? He's 28 now. Oh, he's 28 now? Oh, okay. So that explains a lot of, you know, why he, I think, I guess today, he's probably still talking like this, but think about what he's saying, the type of person he was and the type of person he is, as being like a pest and being just an idiot. You know what I mean? He can't do that going into his thirties. No, 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 so, no, he can't definitely. So he's got to get out of the rap game because that's all he's known for. It's like, it's almost like if he was a part of Criss Cross or another bad creation, you that's can't wear true, your pants backwards anymore, bro. You know what I'm saying? So he's got to yeah, find yeah. a way out. Whereas if you came in the game like Adult Cool J or Special Ed or what people or Big Daddy Kane, it's funny because people didn't think of them as kid rappers, but they were no, as young, if not younger. Like uh, yeah, Ice Cube uh, too, seventeen. Yeah, seventeen. Uh, LL got in the game like at sixteen. Uh, he was super yeah. young. Yeah, yeah, Big Daddy King. When you listen now, you hear like Alo's voice didn't even change yet on his first record. I think Big Daddy King got uh, on Cold Chilling on Wax on like on Seventeen and stuff like that. Yeah. But because it came on adult, he can come out in his forties and rap the songs he was doing at the seventeen. Same rock, dude, Rakim was just here in Portland two nights ago, rapping the same songs he did in eighty eight, eighty seven. And it sounds fine. Yes. Yeah, it sounds perfectly. It sounds perfectly uh, fine. It doesn't sound ridiculous at all. Whereas if he like you know, for example, like Eminem, even though he uh, technically is a very good rapper, his early stuff is very juvenile. Mm. When he 
tries to age doing that same style, it just looks really ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Rapping about, like, you know, date rape drugs and yeah. slipping roofies and raping girls. Like, he did that recent freestyle, and everyone was, like, vicariously uh, embarrassed for him because he did not evolve, like, at all. A bike, wood, like, whatever. And uh, all, all my friendships that I have now... It's all connected. Something else. Larry King's a horrible interviewer. It's amazing that he made a <laughs> life career out of this. Like, <laughs> turn into a collective, and that's when we just start putting things. You're a renaissance man. I don't know if that, okay. The LA Weekly uh. deemed the title of the creator's sound garnered and hellish. His music is not for the faint of heart. It's riddled with vulgar language, at times extremely homophobic. His sound is very gritty. His voice is deep. The tone of his songs oftentimes extremely dark. <laughs> did see the visual. He did like the, like the heavy metal double song. I can play yeah, he did. instrumentals. That's yeah. the prettiest shit you've probably ever heard in your life. I probably curse a lot. Um, I'm not homophobic at all. You've influenced others, right? I probably influenced some people to do some stuff, whether good or bad. I don't take credit. Farrell said being a young black kid especially at that time i was different from all my other peers so when i've seen this dude saying that he was open to rock and jazz skateboarding and all this other stuff i was interested in i was gravitated toward i think it's, i think he's saying pharrell but he, he pronounced it feral uh, like like a wolf but yeah i think i think he's saying a quote by, by like a pharrell. wolf or, or, like, or like he's feral right? <laughs> but, but but something that uh this quote is talking about a lot of these guys love to say is his whole I was too black for the white kids, but too white for the black kids thing. That's the corniest origin story, like on earth. Like you can't drag that out. Like, okay, we get it. You skateboarded, and a lot of black kids didn't skateboard. Okay, fine. Like, how long are you gonna drag that? It's not a. It's not a very interesting origin story. After a while, you know, there's a lot of black people who did shit like that. It's not that notable, you know, but basically Pharrell, he's reading what it seems to me he's reading Pharrell remarking about Tyler, which is kind of funny how these dudes kind of, all these Basquiat dudes kind of beget each other and discover and promote each other, you know, and their big thing is just kind of marveling about, look how I'm bigger than just being uh, black. I, I think what a lot of these people kind of get off on, like if these people have a medium, like it's their art really what they really care about is being popular with cool white people that's really yeah. just all they believe in they don't believe in anything bigger than being popular with cool white right. people so that's why they're saying like you know, i don't care about this i guess i influence people like yeah i guess i'm into rap but like, you know i do fashion too you know it's like because at the end of the day it's really that's their instrument is white people they want to learn white people because they white wanna... people jump on and off of the hip-hop train all the time yeah exactly yeah. Exactly, and, and you know they, they they know that's long money yeah. and that's long that's longevity. They they don't really have any trust that black art or black culture will have a long sustaining right. thing. Whether it's if it's conscious or subconscious, they know that, and at least they feel that blackness is like you know with each other ain't gonna ain't gonna last no. long. So let me get with these white folk. Let me get in their good graces. Mm -hmm. You know, and plus with and plus within <laughs> and within my own culture because the talent is so thick. There's gonna come a point in time where you know someone's gonna be better than me so i gotta figure this out yeah totally uh especially if you're like against don't even care about craft you know so then it's really easy for someone to be more popular if it's just about personality there's always gonna be somebody with a more interesting personality you know what i mean like at least with skill you can say like it might be hard for someone to reach my level of skill if i work hard enough or i can stay ahead but uh personality is a hard thing to just 
bank on on its own. Yeah. Um, one of something interesting too, I think another reason why they don't want to just be rappers is they got in the door as rappers and that's what made white people look at them. But if they just stay rappers, they're always going to be the entertainment and the uh, they're never going to be actually sitting at the table. You know, because if they want to be accepted by white people, it would be like, say you're a social climber and one of the ways that you get into meeting rich and powerful people is by being a wedding singer. Like, oh, I'm going to be a wedding singer and... Yeah. I'm going to get invited to these high-end weddings and work these weddings. But when I'm at these weddings, I'm going to be pressing flesh, slipping my car, getting to know people, you know, because I want to do other stuff. And then I'll end up getting these people to care about my other stuff. If all the people care about is you singing, then all you're ever going to be going to these weddings for is just to go on stage and sing. You never, you want to eventually, like, you know, be going to golf with these people. You want to be dating their daughters you want to be in i think maybe that's kind of why he hates rap too to a degree because this is what got me in front of white people but if i keep doing it all i'm going to be doing is being in front of them and never next to them you know yeah. so it's all right i'm not the only black dude it's probably called weird so you affected a lot of other people you realize that uh yeah it's it affected you um dave Chappelle, marshall mathers Pharrell Williams, Roy Ayers, James Pants, Wes Anderson, um, <laughs> a lot of the people around me, my mother for sure. I was surprised you said Roy Ayers, to be honest. That, that was a good one, at least. Yeah, that was, I would say Roy Ayers and Wes Anderson. I don't understand how they live on the same block, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I get why he likes Wes Anderson, you know. I get it too, but the fact yeah, but, but Roy Ayers, yeah. Block. That was maybe from his mom or something. Maybe it reminds me of his mom or something. That's very. And Roy Ayers is not somebody that, you know, a lot of basic white people like fuck with, you know what I'm saying? No. Because the white people I think he's into are kind of like basic. Like basic white people who think they're not basic is his kind of uh, white person that he. I don't tell her much, but she played a big part. Um, Do you ever plan to expand? Do you ever want to do things musically other than rap? That's what I do now. Like, um, that's the thing I like I really want to sing but my my tone of voice is too deep to do what I want so now I'm just listening to like Isaac Hayes and Barry White and things like that just to see how they use their voice but I hate rapping only because it puts you in this like oh, in this please. box and like, so like I was scared for this interview because me being a rapper I was scared of the type of questions that you would probably ask me not even on purpose just you know, because I'm a rapper and things, and then people look at you different. Oh, he's a rap artist. No, but you that just said much talent. You just said you you don't want to rap anymore. I don't. I don't. I just want to compose. So you got famous rapping. Yeah. But you're leaving the world of rap. But you've been I successful. Think, I think Larry King's got looking in front of him. I mean, I'm, you don't need rap. Totally. Yeah, he knows he doesn't make any damn things. sense. But I don't know. I'm pretty bored with it. It's not interesting, and I don't want to be. If it's not interesting, like it's that's your fault. Make that it is like so fucking irritating to me, man. My name. I'm next to Wes Anderson or Quentin Tarantino. Dude, how many times are you going to say Wes Anderson's name? Quentin Tarantino. At all. Coming up, where does Tyler's... I sort of rewind that, the whole Wes Anderson, Quentin Tarantino thing. So now I'm just listening to, like, Isaac Hayes and... I'm a little too far. ...in this box, and, like... Like, I was scared for this interview, because me being a rapper, I was scared of the type of questions that you would probably ask me. He was scared to be asked about rap. You know, because I'm a the rapper. The reason he got famous. And then people look at you different. Oh, he's a rap artist. Oh, but you that just said, take much talent. So stop so rapping then. You don't want to rap anymore. I don't. I don't. I just want to compose. So you got famous rapping. Yeah. But you're leaving the world of rap, but you've been successful in other areas. 
Yeah, I mean, you I'm, don't need I'm rap talented anymore. Enough, I'm talented enough to do other things, but I don't know. I'm pretty bored with it. It's not interesting, and I don't want to be. You ever heard that phrase? They should tell children in those old Victorian schools and stuff. They'd be like, uh, "There's no such thing as being bored. Only boring people. Like, like rap is boring. You didn't." change rap make rap exciting it's not even an option to yeah, be better but he, he he's trying to say that rap is innately not that great well i think he's yeah, he 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 fucked up yeah. he's recently it's, it's a it's a neat problem with rap not but he's, he's trying to put rap. but he's trying to right he's saying exactly the reason why i've peaked is because rap has a oh mm, that's interesting yeah exactly and i've it, hit it that doesn't, peak. it like, doesn't it has a ceiling and I've, I've reached it. It's actually stifling me. Yeah, it's stopping me from stifling. being great. It's stopping me from being yeah. great. I'm bigger than yeah, that. That is so backwards because, still, you know, still, again, you know, yeah. of course, and you know, he, you know how rappers are. Yeah. You know, rap, you know, rappers are arrogant. So you could easily say to him, yeah. yeah, but you're not on the level of Drake or you're not on the level. Oh, oh, but they're not. They're, oh, that's not, you know, he'll throw that out there, you know? So it's always an excuse, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. always an excuse, but also it's one thing if you're saying that and they ask you what you want to do and you want to do something that's like you know mind-blowing like i want to do something like a like a fast bender or something not not michael fassbender the actor but like you know or i want to um who's the who's the who's the fast bender that is the director who he did this thing where it's like some kind of incredible 10-hour epic or something that i forget his first name but it's, yeah the the, uh, the German oh, one. Oh, Rainer Rainer Werner Fassbender. The German. And he did right? like yeah, and he did like Berlin Alexander Platz or something. And it's like this fifteen-hour movie, basically. You know, Rainier Rainier Werner Fassbender. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's not saying stuff like that. He's saying like yeah, you know, rap bores me, stifles me. I want to be Wes, yeah. I want to be Wes Anderson and yeah. Quentin Tarantino. I'm like, what rap is to music is way more interesting than what those guys are to film. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, if you're gonna like get bored with rap, get bored for something that's like worth. Oh even, yeah, without uh, a doubt. Yeah. Rap yeah, for, totally. but like to be like Fastbender, like you know, I mean, I mean, not Fastbender. To be um, Wes Anderson, no this to uh, Wes Anderson, but it's like it's it's this twee kind of uh, cutesy whatever, you know. Like in the future, I wanna like I wanna do films. I want people mention my name. I'm next yeah. to Wes Anderson or Quentin Tarantino. I don't want to be. I don't want my name to be mentioned next to other rappers. I got it. at all. Tell how dare you? Where does Tyler's creative drive come from? We delve deeper into our guest mind. Like, so you'd rather be mentioned next to Quentin Tarantino, Miss Mister I Love the N Word, more than you'd rather be mentioned next to Rock Rock Him or yeah, Rap I mean, Legends? That that told. That totally sounds like to me is I don't want to be around like like Kenny was saying I don't want to be around the niggers no more I want to yeah. be around it's not like he said Spike Lee yeah right right you know what I'm saying right. and you know he, he you know he didn't say Spike Lee he clearly said Wes Anderson and quick if he would said Spike Lee he got some more respect from me exactly so I'm like, oh he wants to like go into another black cultural yeah. aesthetic but he didn't say that he said these two white dudes you know what I'm saying. If you look at look at the caliber of uh, Quentin Tarantino movies also, you know, I'll use Pulp Fiction as an example or any of his movies where they just throw the N word all over the place. Oh, he yeah. looks at his almost every right. One. So his his music and his caliber is on that level. Like, really? That's and, it. And you know something t- like if you can at least worship like white people, at least worship white people who show some kind of respect for black people or at least not a contempt. You know what I mean? But uh, Wes, Wes Anderson acts like black people don't exist. He he puts this thing in the whitest, even if he's in New York, yeah. he puts this thing in the, the whitest, whitest world. He does not, you know, it's like somebody who came from the 40s yeah, and 50s and, where that and was he normal. Used the South Asian people like, 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 like their props. 
Yeah, yeah. Very uh, unevolved. It's very much like a kind of terrible, like, white guy centered the universe kind of way. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he definitely, like, Wes Anderson yeah. screams, like, when I watch his movies, he screams to me like the kind of white guy that only dates Asian girls. Like, that's uh, what his movies scream to me. Like, and then Quentin Tarantino, who, <laughs> totally. who, who clearly has some kind of contempt for black people. And for some reason, a lot of black people think it's complimentary. I don't know why, but he clearly views give black him a pass on this kind of parody kind of way. Yeah, and it's like these are the white white people you want to uh, emulate. Like you know, uh, you find like a white guy who actually at least does something interesting with black people, or at least sees the humanity in black people. You know, but he doesn't even see that because, again, that's kind of self hatred. You know. Anyway, at this point, I want Matumidi to take us out because you're the guest, and I. Want you to promote anything you want to promote or talk about anything you want to talk about for like the last five to ten minutes. Yeah. Um. Well. Yeah. Thank y'all for having me on. It's funny you were talking about. Um. You started it with say movies that show racial politics. Well, another flick. Have either of y'all ever seen Blue Collar by Paul Schrader with with Richard Pryor and Yafit Kota and Harvey Keitel? I haven't. Nah, I never even heard of this. Thing. Man, y'all gotta watch this movie, man. Like, and it's it's one of those movies where I'm like, someone really got it right who was white, and it, it's about uh, Richard Pryor, Yafit Kota, and Harvey Keitel play these three guys who work at an auto plant in Detroit, and you know they're all working class, they're all homies on different levels, and they decide to kind of pull off a heist against the union, but then discover some stuff, but then it begins to splinter them, and of course it begins to splinter them around class and race and it's crazy mm. to watch a movie like that i'm not gonna give you the the end of it because the end of it is just so deep and it's so real it's not in a way they don't make a movie now like they don't make movies that have these kind of like stark endings about race and class with people like you know that the the the, the higher class is gonna pretty much pin all of them against each other and they're gonna destroy each other and it has real racial politics, you know, and uh, that I think is, I think is dope. But you won't see that kind of stuff made now because, like, like we said before, they need things to be like these kind of, you know, black body exploration of, you know, mm-hmm. your liber- li- liberated self, yada yada yada, garbage. That's you know, that's the kind of stuff that exists out there, and black filmmakers don't even know these films exist. You know what I'm saying? And that's something that I constantly deal with. So, um, yeah. That's a great flick, I think, for for Cass to check out. Mm, very, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, any uh, other thoughts on the state of black cinema and especially indie cinema and stuff? I mean, like, for yeah. example, I was I was watching uh, She's Got to Have It the other day. That was the kind of thing where I'm like, I would love to have one of these today. And well, it's different now, man. Like the thing about it is, like, it, 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 I mean, I, I say it's twofold. Like, there isn't really an independent film world anymore. And I, this this is regardless of 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 any race yeah exactly everybody is basically they're using independent film to try to get studio jobs like the studios are now in favor again so it's all something else too something else too that i think is the problem is i think independent has become an aesthetic not an actual literal thing so so same thing with music too remember when alternative just became a style like you had the alternative trappings so it's like you would be on like uh sony records but you'd be on the alternative charts or or the independent charts because you had that kind of grungy uh sound i feel like uh, with miramax miramax made independent like uh an aesthetic category more 
happened yeah. in, in actual reality. Right. And it became, yeah. The, and, 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 and in a certain way, I don't, I didn't mind it being an aesthetic, like, because it's like a, it's a way of doing films, right? Independently. So you had your own independent vibe and you were doing it against, it, it, it had an ethos. It had a whole doctrine. It had a, a, a way of, a way of approaching and making movies. Now these cats, they're all making independently as a means to win. And like, they won't stay independent. You don't have like Jim Jarmusch type cats, you know, who yeah. just do. And this is everybody. So even the black I, people I, I, are I following like, that. Yeah. I feel like not independent just code for cheap. Like, yes, yeah, this is a studio totally. movie, but it's just a cheap one. This is the one that we do for Oscar bait, you know, exactly. as opposed to any ethos behind it. Exactly. And they're kind of like, yo, let me do this to audition so later I can get the Marvel movie. I can get the franchise. Like, no one, so no now, one will stay independent forever. So now it's not only like rebelling against the conformity of the system. It's actually aspiring to join it. Exactly. And 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 make no bones about it. The black people who are entering this space are kind of following the same movement. So that's why they're following. They, that's why they're doing what Wes Anderson is doing or the in the black version of it. They're all copying the proven. I put those in quotations, white aesthetics that have made it and making the black versions of it so they can kind of move yeah, into that, being Hollywood tastemakers. And that's and that's where like I think what we said is so true about like these people actually come from white inspirations and just want to do the black versions of it and then exactly. eventually they hope to get hired to do the actual white things you know so that whole thing of uh, when you look at credits to a lot of stuff you, you realize that Martin Lawrence was doing writing for uh, Eddie Murphy you know yeah. like, like he, he was one of the writers of Raw and and Robert Townsend and Keenan Ivory Waynes were working together on those Partners in Crime specials yeah. and on those uh, on Hollywood Shuffle and all that stuff. And these people don't really come up like that anymore. They're just um... well, you know. I mean, the, the, another thing with that. I mean, this is like another topic, kind of. But like that was also like that first big wave of Black Hollywood directors. Like a lot of those cats got outcasted because they tried to do a kind of all black thing and an all black yeah. autonomous thing. Like Robert Townsend, you know, he tried to do that kind of all black autonomous thing and they just called him difficult and marginalized his career and it, and it was a response to the white stuff it wasn't an audition to yeah. say please notice me it was more like you know what fuck you like the whole burn hollywood burn thing is not a real thing anymore no it's, not at all yeah not it's all. representation matters like, like people don't realize like actual black filmmakers had that burn hollywood burn aesthetic I mean, exactly our idea yeah Exactly. It was funny. When when Wendell Harris said, you know, there was a, a joke about him in Hollywood. He said after a, after a while, after Chameleon Street got bought, because you know there was a remake it with Will Smith, um, yeah, as the lead in it. But so he said there was a joke after a while that no one would like have lunch with him. All the black directors who wanted to still be in the good graces of Hollywood, because they said they looked at him as a pariah. They were like, Nah, man, we can't be around Wendell Harris. And he said he he was kept out of all the black meetings of all the black people who wanted to work in Hollywood because. Wendell Harris became this kind of negative person. And I think people learned from that and from that, the failure, I don't say the failures or why those people weren't able to be long-term successful. And like, we're not repeating that. We want to be in the good graces of these white people here in Hollywood. Let's copy their shit. Let's not ruffle no feathers and just do it, you know, but, not but do also what they these, say so much as do, do what pleases them. But also these people didn't come from that tradition. These people, totally. I, I think, you know, came from growing up watching and enjoying white stuff. Stuff, and then yeah, they want to totally. make movies and then when they realize that they're being pigeonholed into black stuff they'll make the black stuff but it's just with an eye of getting yeah. into the white uh space yeah. so so that's the other thing like, i don't think these people like like i don't get the sense that Issa Rae came up studying robert townsend and, oh not at all not at the, all yeah, 
but they'll yeah, well, but but they'll have mentors like they'll meet that random black agent who's been around for since for like 30 years who will tell them what not to do based on those exactly on those experiences they'll tell Issa, here's what you can't do some per- some person named Robert Townsend did this 25 years ago, and if you do that, you're not going to make it. And he's and he's the, a race so eager, she's going to go okay. And they'll also realize that it's good to name check these people because a lot of these people only want to give you uh, a lot of people only want to hire you as the black voice. So you, you'll play into it for a little while, yeah. and you know you'll um, do photo shoots with like you know your black forebears and like people don't understand when Issa Rae says before an award show I'm rooting for everyone black to win she's not rooting for it because she wants to rebel or break the system it's because that just means there's even more acceptance than yeah totally I mean she's yeah she's she's uh, I can't even that's a whole other topic like the things y'all yeah. say about her like are, are, are 100% spot on like I've been around enough of them to like be like and I, when y'all say stuff I just go yep I shake I nod my head and go yep that's right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I was trying not to put you in too much of a spot because you have to work in this industry so, so uh, i mean we don't yeah. hey man like if, you know, if i ever come back on here i'll tell you this much like i've already burned enough bridges man like ava duvernay blocked me for you know criticizing her relationship with netflix so i ain't tripping i'm about to say because uh, we will we, we have a we have a tendency to push the show off a cliff and if you want to come <laughs> if you want to come down with us i mean we'll we'll just jump down there together hand in I'm hand not tripping man like oh, okay thing. we'll push like, this we, motherfucker off a cliff <laughs> if we get into personal chronicles of me i'll just let you know like people already know who i am i can't can't hide it anymore i mean that's that and 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 that's the thing i mean it really is true like the whole like myth of ooh, if the, the person who talks too much doesn't get work it's real yeah you know? and, oh, yeah and just the only way after you talk too much to get back is to beg and i'm not a beggar so right i'm right. already where i am good 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 i can dig all that. right with that I think it's a good place to end. Uh, did I cut you off, Ken? Were you saying? No, nah, no, nah, you're things? good. You're good. Uh, if anybody, um, I'll say this because I was watching a boxing match while you guys were talking and Mir, Mir Khan just quit like a punk. Um, so if anybody wants to see me talk shit about Amir Khan for the next 30 minutes, <laughs> come to my Twitter page because I'm going to fucking run this motherfucker into the ground. We're not live streaming, so no one's going <laughs> to. I know, right? Yeah. What the fuck? I just forgot about that. We're not live streaming. <laughs> so in a week, if you hear about it, then come back and go back to my tweets from a week later and you'll see look at Amir Khan getting punched in the nuts and quitting (laughs) I I didn't even know that dude was even still boxing until today there's a Madison Square Garden today in New York oh yeah I didn't even know oh wow yeah Yeah. alright man have a good night guys alright guys peace peace